Vortex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 things we do in the shadows. I'm your host, Davey, and we have no fill today. Instead, we have uh, one each, Benji, from Tabletop Sydney. How are you doing today, or tonight, I suppose, Benji? Tonight, yeah, it's like 11 p.m. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's uh, 8 a.m. Uh, for me. I've just uh, come off my overnight shift, but we uh, we did all right, so uh, we should be able to we should be able to match some energy here. But uh, we've um, we've been talking about getting guests back on, and uh, Phil and I were were kicking back and forth, and we realized since we've uh, since we've probably plugged your channel about uh, six times in the last seven episodes, uh, you'd probably be a good candidate to bring on. So. Uh, we, we are uh, talking to you from um, the Tabletop Sydney YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to give what I know about it, and then you're going to help me fill in the blanks here. Sure. So as far as I can figure, you've been you've been going for just about two and a half months, and in that time, you've released a spectacular 26 videos, uh, which is prolific many, output. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was sitting there uh, counting them out, and uh, it was something else. And uh, I really I really enjoyed it uh, uh, watching and uh, I think my core thing is that it, your players seem to really enjoy themselves, uh, and that's that's kind of infectious. You, it seems like the the whole group loves the loves the game, uh, or really enjoys playing it, and that uh, that makes it really nice to watch. Um, what uh, what prompted you to to start this channel? What what would you call your overall goal with it? I'd say. Yeah, that's a good question. There's a huge history. Um, I, I, mind if I talk for a few minutes on this because I can really go quite deep. Please on do. This. Yeah. Rest. So, so my background is is in broadcasting and content creation. So, I, for professional life, I work in uh, TV studios, control rooms, and I do broadcast stuff. So, um, and then. Last year, sort of the pandemic hit, and I started playing Underworlds then because I thought the models were cool, the game looked interesting, and I had uh, one of my friends, Kent, who you see on the channel quite a bit, he, he played it and he got me into it. Um, and so I, I started the game then, and I was like, this is great. And I went on YouTube, and I was like, I want to watch some more content because you do that with a new game, right? You, you, yeah. you start it, you're like, I want to learn about this as quick as possible. I want to eat all the content yeah. up that I can. And I was looking at the content, it was, it was good, but uh, my production background was like, I could do better. Like I was just like, well, I've got all this equipment here. I know I can I can create better content. And most people would just stop there and go, yeah, okay, cool. But I, I took it to the next step. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually gonna gonna make good content. And it took me a few months to get the equipment together. Um, then the Christmas break came around. Uh, I actually lost my job during that period, so it was a bit turbulent. I'm working now, mm -hmm. so it's okay. Uh, but then in January we started recording and. and we got people for just from our gaming group. Uh, we meet every week on Wednesdays. At, at, uh, if you're in Sydney, Good Game Town Hall, so you can come down and visit us. It's open to anyone. And uh, I just brought them in, started playing, and um, started making content. And people started watching it, and so we just kept going. Yeah. I, what? Uh, I, I guess the other thing that struck me, and again, I think this is your background coming in, into play, is uh, there's new channels that come on, and uh, usually when there's a new, ch you know, I try to check it all out because. I'm a, I'm an addict for the game, but, uh, you know, you'll see something and you'll, 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 there'll be a new channel. And you say, I, I can see the, the core elements are, are what are, what are good here. And here's, here's what, uh, uh, what I look forward to growing into. And you, your channel seemed to kind of spring almost fully formed. Uh, it was, it was excellent right out of the bat. And I, I think it's been showing, I, I look at, uh, how many people get commenting and watching and it's, uh, it's for a channel that's only been around for less than three months. Pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, I think we've been working hard on. Uh, the thing is, like, I have a content background as well, so um, I, I know a lot of the. No, I wouldn't say tricks, but like, I, I kind of know some source on how to make interesting content, what to focus on, and for, the, I mean, this is for maybe aspiring people out there that want to start a channel. Uh, your production quality is important. Having a nice camera, having a good look and a setup, and really that's an artistic thing that only you can decide. Uh, that's important, but at a certain level, that no longer matters. And it's about the content, the people you bring in, what they're doing on camera, how are you keeping people interested in the game you're playing. And that's part of the reason why we have a third person on our, our show, which is myself most of the time, in the future might change. Um, and, and their job is essentially to keep the conversation flowing, to be a rules lawyer if we need to, and, and obviously miss all the rules we get wrong. Um, <laughs> but also just to make sure that it's an entertaining product. And without that person, I think there is a lot of lulls and downtime where you're sort of sitting there watching two people play a serious game. And uh, for content, that's not as interesting, in my opinion, as, as having that third person there. Yeah, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think we mentioned uh, on our last episode we were talking about uh, watching some of these tournament games where they have commentating 
and uh, how it really kind of brings the game alive. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's made your channel, you know, something maybe if, you know, they, cause they, they, uh, they can be on a little bit of the longer side for a game. So something that I might watch, uh, sped up, but because that downtime, uh, is, is kind of filled with discussion and conversation. Uh, I, I just watch it all the way through and, and uh, enjoy it for that. Uh, but you, you mentioned how you're, you're the man behind the camera. So we haven't actually seen you on the, on the stream yet. Um, you do have quite a, quite a, uh, crew there. It, it's, it's fun. It almost, uh, it gives me the vibe of like, a you know, like a, a fighting game, like street fighter or something like that, where you're selecting your opponents. You know? Yeah. So, uh, I think I've, I've counted out, uh, Jacko, uh, Mark, Kyle, Kent, Kiva and Jared maybe was, it was in there yep. one so far. Um, we're, we're, uh, uh, and what I've, what I've enjoyed is that they just seem, uh, universally good natured. It's, it's really, uh, makes it nice to watch how have they, how have they felt, uh, being on camera, how have they adapted to it? Is it, has it been a hit with the crew or it, it's, a, it's so many challenges that you don't see. Um, we have a big gaming group. So for example, um, we have a recording session this weekend, just after the orcs come out and we're going to have Craig come along. You haven't seen him yet. He's a great guy. He's been at our local sort of weekly games often and, and sort of, I just chat to people there and get a feel for who they are. And some people, you know, would be great on camera. I think he's going to be going to be good. We'll see. Um, but each person is different. Everyone has their own style, for example, and, and everyone on the camera is great. But uh, Jacko, for example, is a fantastic player. Mm -hmm. um, and he focuses sometimes a lot on the game and you got to really prompt him to get the conversation going, get his thoughts out. Whereas someone like Kiva, he just loves to chat and he's happy all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. so you kind of need to sort of, when you that third person know who you're dealing with and sort of uh, know how to sort of pull the best out of them and make it an entertaining product while showing off their strengths and, and what they can bring to the table. All right. Uh, we are going to get on to a review of the Crimson Court. Um, but uh, before we do that, I got a couple rapid fire questions that I haven't really prepared you for. So yeah. All right. Hit me. All right. So uh, you've got your, your, we'll call it a stable of players. Uh, if you had to pick one of your, one of your members of the, that group to uh, paint your next war band that you were going to own, uh, who would you pick? Kyle. No problem. He's a, okay. he's one golden demons. It's just like, if he became the war band painted, I'd be like, Oh my God. Fantastic. They all paint well though, but I, I love Kyle's stuff most. Uh, they do. And I appreciate that about the channels that everything's painted out there. You, you kind of talk that up and you give the, the figure, uh, the models a, a moment in the sun before the battle starts and, and kind of pan across them. So it's important. Uh, I, I yeah. believe really like production value is cameras and, and audio, but it's also the models. If you don't paint your models, I, look, it's, it's not hard. For example, I mean, as an example behind the scenes, this weekend, Orcs are coming out on Saturday for us. We're recording Sunday. So my Saturday is going to be sitting at home downstairs with my girlfriend, painting up the Savage Orcs for however many hours it takes me, and watching, I think we're doing like a, a Quentin Tarantino marathon. So All right. you got to so, sort of focus and put the effort in. And, and once it's on the table, it looks great. And it's worth every, every moment you spend on it. I'll, I'll say visually one of the best moments on your channel I've seen so far is, uh, and this is actually another thing altogether, is... Um, you did a, uh, a draft uh, with uh, Kyle and Kent uh, played off. They did yep. a best of five and they drafted their war bands and you had every war band leader sitting on the board at once. And I was like, that looks amazing. You know, and it was, it was from farther off, but just to see all those painted figures yeah. from underworlds in one place, you kind of forget how many war bands are out there until you see one rep from each all stacked up there. We made a mistake with that. Actually. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone noticed in chat. I noticed it. I think a week after we recorded it, cause we recorded that quite early. Um, Kagra's Ravages. We had the wrong model as the leader. We had the wizard and not the Kagra. So I was like, oh, okay. I noticed that way too late, but yeah, that was... I would have to be a super fan that picked out of the of the crowd of 29 that you had the, the wrong one. You there. say that. And our fans are fantastic, but that, man, if we make it a rule wrong at like 46 minutes into a video, they're all over it. It's insane. <laughs> like, I don't know how they how they do it, but obviously our fans are fantastic. They pay attention to our videos and they, they help us learn, which is great. We're all better because of them. Yeah, I you know the whenever whenever content is put out there, it, it seems like the uh, the people are quickest to respond to or, or comment on or you know if, if their rule has gotten wrong and all that sort of thing. And I will say for anyone watching, I think uh, I think if you were to record your own game and then put it up for a comment, you'd be surprised about how many uh, errors you you may be making in your own game. You just don't notice them when it's when it's uh, one on one. Uh, but what I what I particularly uh, am impressed by is that although your channel gets comments like those, they're, they're good natured and there's just a ton of real positive response. And 
that sometimes feels rare uh, from a content creation perspective uh, to have that many positive comments on something, which really it tells me that you guys are doing something right. Yeah, I'll say one thing as well. Like um, for all those positive comments, though, and this is for people watching, the negative ones do pop up from time to time, and um, they do impact people quite a bit. We've had a few negative comments um, against some of our videos, and like compared to the positive, it's nothing. But we read every comment, and so when the bad yeah. one comes through, it 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 hurts a little bit and the positive ones do help lessen that blow but i'd say like constructive criticism is great for, not just for us but for all your favorite youtubers if you don't like something tell them but tell them in a nice way that they can improve on don't just say you yeah. hate them yeah and you you do a great job of uh, responding with grace you and the players you know if somebody's uh, been given a, a hard time about something I, I've, I've noticed the way you reply or the way that you respond uh, on camera has been pretty impressive i said this is gonna be quick fire and then i immediately derailed us that one's Man, on me I, so. i'm great at derailing don't worry about that there's a reason <laughs> our games go for an hour on camera and it's partially my fault so yeah uh all right uh what uh if you had to pick a player that's most likely to win a grand clash from your group who's that gonna be me okay yeah, uh i i, I am on our Wednesday games, I mean, I'm sure the other players will uh, have a go at me for this, but I, I'm, the, I'm the guy that wins most of the games. I, I'm, I, play, I play a lot of the strong warbands, to be fair, but um, yeah. Um, if it's someone has been on camera, um, I would say... I want to say Jacko, but he runs things like Rebound that they can easily lose a Grand Clash. I'll say Jacko. I think he probably is the most likely, but he'd need to enter a few Grand Clashes to win one. Okay. Here's, here's one that's specifically about Jacko. When Jacko says, uh, I'm good with that, or that's fine, or I'm fine with that... Is he playing head games there, or is that just a, a verbal comment? That's just him. Uh, that's that's that's. <laughs> he, he's a he's a great. He's a very direct. He's very blunt, and I, I love that about him. Um, yeah. He does that like you be. Oh, let's go get food. I'm good with that. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I don't think All there's right. any head games there. He's just he's a great guy. Yeah. I thought I was like, man, that would that would uh, he he might be getting in my head if he was he was doing that. I I, uh, I would love to play any of these guys. Uh, if you had to pick somebody on the channel to pass an important role, who would it be? To pass an important role? To, to succeed, to succeed at an important dice role. Oh, um, Kent, for sure. Um, he's, <laughs> he's, um, his name, uh, we, we used to call him, I don't want to say his last name on channel because that's giving away too much personal information, but his nickname used to be instead of uh, Kent last name, it was Crit last name. Um, he, he <laughs> when he needs to roll a dice, he rolls the dice. Uh, which player in that group is most likely to bust out the deep cut like Eyes of the Nine, Chosen Axes, or uh, Sepulchral Guard, something the uh, the uh, less played? Yeah. Um, uh, well, actually, I'll give you two answers. One is um, Craig, who will be on the channel this weekend. Um, so by the time you listen to this, probably the next lot of videos will have him in it. Uh, he plays a lot of the weird stuff, so I'll give him that. But he hasn't, he hasn't played yet, so I'll give you a second answer. Uh, I think... Uh, Kiva probably is the most likely to pull the weird ones out. He loves skellies for some reason. Um, that being said, he plays exclusively deaths. So yeah, I, I've been trying to get Eyes of the Nine on the channel for so long, and no one wants to play it. Everyone's like, no, not me, not me, not me. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Uh, and we haven't seen you in front of the camera. What warband is it going to take for you to get out and uh, let us see you play a game? Um, I, th I think it's going to be Ossark Burn Reapers, the, the Reapers when they come out. Um, I'm an OBR player in Age of Sigma, so they've got a bit of a near and dear spot to my heart. I also have to train someone up, and that someone's going to be Kent, on how to operate the back end, because right now it's it's there's a lot of buttons to push, and I need to train him. So once that's done, I'll be on there, and we're aiming for Ossiak Burn Reapers for that. So yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on to the review, is there anything else you want to mention about the channel uh, before we step into the rest of the episode here? Um. Not much for going on the channel, no. I think uh, I just want to thank everyone that watches. And, and like, it's actually blown me away on our growth. Uh, it's hard to say, but we can see week on week how many people are watching. And that's because you guys have been there supporting us. So if you've watched our channel, uh, especially from the early days and giving us positive feedback, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart. And if you haven't watched us yet, that's cool. You can still jump on board. There's still plenty of growth to come. So jo join us early and, and yeah. All right. Yeah, I, we, we recommend it. There, there's some really cool play styles we talked about uh, on the last couple episodes, the working through that best of five. And uh, it sounds like you are motivated to try some some different uh, presentation of different styles. I, I know I'd like to see uh, sort of a, a team event uh, alliance format where uh, where you, you have some of the players uh, team up in threes and then play against. Oh, that's cool. That'd, uh, that'd be pretty fun. I might yoink um, that one. 
Well, I'm going to flip it around and ask you a question. We've just done our draft format, which is like, yeah. a, I think it was kind of fun. I think it was pretty successful. If yeah. you were playing in that, what are you picking for your three warbands? Uh, yeah. So then I have to figure out uh, how, how badly am I going to cave into my, my personal predilections. But uh, I really like Rippers a lot. They've got uh, such strong uh, yeah. infaction cards that they don't, uh, they don't steal too much from the rest. Um, I like... Uh, I'd say dread pageant, uh, because they are flexible with what they do. So they, uh, same thing. They're not going to rob from anyone else. And then, uh, probably crushes this, this is if I'm going for the, the full power, it might be red, uh, Ripper's mm. dread pageant crushes. So. That's strong picks. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. the first two were Kent's picks and I was worried to get for Hawthorne and just copy his <laughs> crushes. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. We'll ban those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, they, they're, uh, but then, uh, but that's the thing is like with the draft, you can't, um, you can't There's a kind of pick, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was it was the similarities with the uh, alliance that uh, really kind of uh, pinged it for me. So. Yeah, we want to do more of that. Uh, I think it's hard right now because the releases are so often. We are mm. behind on Crimson Court just because I was doing uh, some short film shooting on those weekends, so I just wasn't checked sure. out. Um, but I think once, and it's kind of hard now. We want to do more, but we're like, oh, when are OBR going to drop? It's probably going to be in like two or three weeks, knowing GW yeah. so far. Um, yeah. So, yeah. We'll do With more the, uh, formats soon. That's for sure. Promises. Yep. Uh, and usually, and it'll be a little bit different this year because of the pandemic, but usually there's kind of a summer fallow period where uh, we're really slight. Uh, that'll be a, a good time uh, to catch up, but who knows how it's going to work this time around. So, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk some Crimson Court. Are you down for that? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So we are coming to, in the, as we've kind of alluded to, this is in the context of uh, the most recent uh, news we've had is Mad Mob is on pre-order. They're not quite out in the wild yet. Uh, so the cards we're talking about won't necessarily include those because we don't have play experience with those. Uh, and because they've been out for a while, we're talking from the, uh, rather than cover every card, we're going to talk about uh, our experiences with different decks that we built or played against um, and, and come at you from there. So a little bit different than the way we've been doing it. Uh, if you find that you like this style let us know um because we'll lean towards what people are enjoying uh, i'm trying to uh similar to what benji's been doing with his is uh kind of fill an, a gap that uh, maybe isn't covered by some of the other content out there but um uh, let's give let's give an overall uh benji if you had to try to sum this war band up you have your elevator pitch uh to somebody about uh they want to know what it is about uh the crimson court what what should they know or if uh, they're trying to decide whether they're going to play them what, what would you say yeah i think I mean, the models are fantastic for starters. I think they're some of the best that have come out this season so far, and people are buying them just for that. So there's there's that aspect. From a, a warband perspective, they are, I'm going to say, one of the most complicated warbands in the game up till today. I think they have a lot of options. They have a lot of flexibility. If you are a player that likes to you know, have a lot of strategic depth and make very important decisions, these guys are for you. Um, they're strong, but they're also, I don't think they're quite broken. That's my opinion. I'd agree. I think uh, just in their baseline, when you look at them, you have four fighters. Each has four wounds. Uh, each has speed four. That's a that's a pretty healthy starting point for any warband. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it's it's that uh, dichotomy of whether you're pushing inspiration or or bloodlust. And I think that sets up so many deck building decisions uh, for for somebody that I think it could be. Uh, there's a lot to wrap your head around there. And then once you're, once you're in the field of play, um, Phil and I kind of, uh, work together on a, a, more of a hunger control build. I know, uh, you worked, you either built for with, uh, Kiva, uh, uh, Crimson Court deck. They, they just had their debut on the channel as a, yeah. at the time of recording. There'll oh, be a, that, by the time you release this, there'll be a second yeah. game up with Kent's deck. Actually, he made a different deck, but okay. we'll talk more about uh kivas because i've it's the one i i built for him he's um he's not an aggro player he likes to hold objectives so i kind of <laughs> had to and but he's a death player so he's like i want to try him out and i think the game we had on the channel if you watched it uh spoiler alert just skip for 10 seconds he kind of wasn't used to how aggro plays so he made a lot of fundamental mistakes there so that the deck didn't look great but the deck itself i built around perfect match and i think crimson court have a lot of very easy to score objectives with like the the uh, What's his name? Ennis, I think it's called the mm -hmm. Nurseborn. Yeah, he has move six um, when he's bloodlusted. So a lot of those move uh, surges and objectives are just like super easy to score. So I was like, well, I can put eleven dead easy objectives in there. You get perfect match, and that seems like a pretty simple deck. 
So that's what mm-hmm. I've done. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, any warband like this one that is well suited to picking up the, uh, as we call it, the speed package, uh, the uh, cover ground, uh, gathered momentum, and winged death uh, are in a pretty good spot. They move four is kind of the baseline for getting there. And when you have a fighter that can get there without any card help, uh, if he once he uh, uh, gets into bloodlust, that really adds some reliability to those. And that accounts for three surges that can be scored without really rolling any dice. Um, so I'm big on those. Any surge that you can, like, I play, that's how I play aggro. There's sort of, in our group at least, there's two ways we look at aggro. One is sort of how Jacko plays it, which is I'm going to fight you and all my cards are about fighting you. Whereas I mm-hmm. play them more passive. So I'm like, I'm going to fight you, but if my dice rolls don't go well, I'm still scoring 15 glory and you can't really stop that. So, um, that's, that's, I think that's personally two directions you can go, and they're both viable. It's just down to sort of your play style and how you want to build a deck. Sure. Well, so the rest of that, you if, if you've got uh, everything reliable, what what else objective-wise are you leaning on for reliability? And this is this is faction and uh, and universal. Here. Yeah, I think we'll start with the surges. So gather the momentum, cover ground, wing death, like you said, the like speed package. That's, that's the easy ones. Um, show of force is another dead easy one when you've got an aggro warband you can score it in the early rounds by just charging three times and you've basically got it or the later rounds you'll have someone with three upgrades dead easy um prenatural speed uh, pre i look i'm terrible with names so i'm gonna get it wrong <laughs> prenatural speed pre-natural speed that's the one yeah. uh that's just after activation have everyone in enemy territory that's generally not too difficult in most games round one it could be a little difficult if you've like offset or something but mm-hmm. I, I believe you can get in there and there's a lot of speed plays we probably get into and then surge of aggression is the other one uh get the primacy token or, or do a damage action with damage four plus i mean you're playing an aggro warband if you can't get primacy that's eh, kind of bad but yeah um yeah. and then the end phase game we'll go through these quickly the end phase one so perfect match um that's in there purely just to bump up that that glory ceiling a bit because without it you're kind of quite low um team effort Another dead easy card uh, on the chase is uh, one of the uh, Crimson Court faction cards. Yeah. Uh, in phase of each surviving fighter has one or more hunger counter, or or which is the easy one. One or more mm-hmm. surviving fighters has move characteristic of six. So if you bloodlust, you you do you got it. Dead easy. Yeah, I like that because early on it's very easy with uh, your warband just starts in that already, yep. and then later on you're likely to have bloodlusted uh, Curseborn. And then that's also easy. So, uh, yeah. and importantly, it's a it's a hybrid. If uh, if you decide instead of the perfect match route to go uh, set to tempo or some such. Yeah, I mean, I think probably for just a few objectives for that. But that's definitely another route if you want to go. Yep. It's a bit yep. more reliable that way too. Uh, recovered poises next. That's have an inspired fighter. I mean, that's not too hard. Uh, awesome predator, um, which isn't too hard either. That's another primacy one, but you can also just bunch up, pump up your damage. And intimidating display, and that's because uh, Mr. Gorath, the enforcer, gets plus one wound when he bond loss, and that gets you to five, and that gets it against uh, I think all but three warbands pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our, our version we, uh, we built was really kind of heavily hunger related. So it was a bunch of, uh, uh, leaned harder onto the hunger and it has that, our, our big end score was, uh, blood curse and season of famine where you're looking to get that 10 hunger out there um, on your, on your own. And that is, uh, definitely less aggro. So we were learning, leaning on things that you would score in, in your own territory, assuming that people would come to you, that you'd be kind of scoring the passive glory. Um, and that's where, uh, some of the things like uh, magical Mark, uh, just have a, uh, caster on an objective, um, hunger yeah. for victory, which is have, uh, have two hunger. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of, uh, scoring, making sure, uh, you had hunger out there. Um, but, uh, and because it, it, and they have the advantage of, uh, two wizards. So some of those wizard only cards add some redundancy. So some of these things that are real easy to score, but you might be reluctant to include them in a different deck because they'd be dead as soon as your leader went down or was uh, disrupted. They have that additional redundancy, so we're leaning there. But same thing, sort of speed package, a big end score, and a bunch of reliable stuff in there. Uh, yeah. And they and that uh, both those are, are nice because they don't tend to bleed much glory with only four fighters, all of which have quite a few wounds. So. Yeah, four wounds is like tough to, to knock off the bat yeah i mean provided you're clever with like your objective placement so that all the good lethal squares are kind of like that's what we play in sydney is um 
if you if you're playing aggro, you put your your objectives where the good lethals for your opponent would go to sort of deny the space. So mm-hmm. uh, off the bat, you can kind of deny those quick, like oh look, I just charge you and kill you in turn one. Um, that being said, they're all two damage off the bat as well, which is uh, not the most damage. Three seems to be a, a powerful starting point for an aggro warband, so you need to do a bit mm-hmm. of work before you get them up to sort of that good level. Yeah, uh, and they have they whether you inspire bloodless, they have two fighters that can get to three on their card without uh, increases. Um, but uh, it can be uh, so it's a uh, Gorath inspires to three damage and. Uh, the, uh, the leader uh, Duval bloodlust at three damage. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting because the the common discussion in our group is like which one do you inspire, which one do you bloodlust, and the um, <clears throat> the common knowledge or the wisdom that we sort of came to was that you always bloodlust the winged guy, uh, Aeneas, because mm-hmm. his um, his his inspire is not great, uh, and you generally always inspire the leader. Because three da- three hammers with cleave is very reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, two hammers without cleave is is not great, especially round two, round three. Um, right. And the other two, I think the Velus is very situational. She's great both inspired and uninspired and bloodlust. Sorry, uh, it's more what are you playing against? Do you need the cleave and stare, or do you want scything for like maybe Grimwatch or someone? And then Gorath, I think most of us are bloodlusting him for the extra wound. Five five wounds is is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that actually leads. We have a, a listener question, which kind of uh, we've we've sort of answered here. But this is uh, coming from a, a fella. He's actually changed his name a few times on on purpose. Uh, he self proclaimed to make it more difficult for us to pronounce. So he was <laughs> he was Mortal the Immortal Skeleton. Now he's Dwayne Claw the Supreme Crabbo, uh, feeding to that internet hype over the uh, uh, the uh, crab, deep, yeah, Deepkin Crab, yeah. Uh, he's asking: Is one of the two different? Uh, inspired so he's saying is uh is bloodlust or inspired better or does it mostly depend on the situation and uh we've kind of talked about you you went down fighter by fighter how your group uh kind of takes it yeah um, our is very I, different though i see a lot of uk games and i'm like those decks wouldn't fly in our meta we're very aggro down here like if you play passive you get punished mm-hmm. pretty hard here yeah, so uh, I think you can build towards either of these. I think I've played against. I haven't. I haven't built a deck that, uh, against this. I, I played against a deck that seemed to be able to go either way. They included the uh, there's the uh, goblet um, that uh, gets you a second wizard level and, and gets you inspired and prevents you from getting hunger. Um, it's a blood chalice. Um, it playing against somebody that felt like you could go either way, it uh, leaves the opponent more off balance. And and what I found actually is when you're playing against them, especially the first game, if you're doing best of three or just a one game, best of one, until you see a little of their deck, you don't know which way they're headed. Uh, you can make some assumptions like, uh, like you're talking about, uh, you know, if, if people generally uh, prefer to get any as bloodlusted and, and such, um, they, you can make some, some good guesses, but uh, that, uh, that's an example of their complexity making it uh, difficult for the other player. Um, Phil and I took the easy way of leaning heavily towards bloodlust because you're making a hunger hunger uh, based deck. Makes sense, yeah. Um, but I think you can build it in other ways where you are um, flexible, and I think there's there's strengths for both. So uh, we'll cop out with that and say it, it depends on the fighter and depends on the situation and depends on the deck, but. Yeah, if you've got all the the speed package, like you said, mm-hmm. you, you kind of want to bloodlust the um the the Ennis, Ennis, yeah. um yeah. because then it's just super easy to get that. But if you're running something different, like maybe maybe you want to inspire him and get an extra dodge, and uh, I'm not sure what else he gets. He gets the, he can move through rocket by hexes. I think that's all he gets. But, yeah, I think yeah. he gets a little uh, a little more accurate. I maybe not three oh three hammers instead of three daggers. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so that's a that's a pretty good bump. Um, so I I think if you try to set yourself to be up to be able to do both, you run the risk of uh, you you make your card draw a lot more important in your deck. Where all of a sudden, you know, get the the card that pushes you in the wrong direction at the wrong time. Um, you uh, that that flexibility can keep your opponent a little more off balance, but you're you can be a victim of the wrong card at the wrong time uh, with that route. But uh, so for your one that you built, uh, let's talk uh, the power deck here. What what gambits yeah. were you finding particularly important? Um, so I I think this is 
this could use some refinement, this part. I think the objectives, I was pretty happy with them all being pretty easy to score. Um, I generally like to have two or three like move ploys in there. So I have mm-hmm. tracking, I have spectral wings, and I think it's just those two right now, but I thought I added a third. There's a potential for a third. I think there's currently in rotation four move ploys, if I remember correctly. I, there um, may, I mean, even with Mad Bob, there may, if you have the right keywords, there may be even more than that. It, it's yeah, pretty outrageous. So. It, it's really, life's not great right now for like passive warbands <laughs> because you yeah, can't yeah. do many tricks to keep them away from you. Poor Grimwatch. Yeah. I, I think they're a fantastic warband, one of my favorites, but it's just so hard to blame right now. Yeah. Um, and then I've got the, the faction cards, which I think are most interesting. I have Blood Vial um, because it's a good, it's a heal, but it's actually just an Inspire. So you mm-hmm. choose a friendly fire, you remove up to two of their hunger tokens. So, I mean, if they've got three, sure. And then you heal one. And if you're playing against damage two, going from four down to two back up to three means you're still two shot. So that's that's a cool little tech you can throw in there. Yeah. Throw your opponent's cacks off. And then Quicksilver Advance. Um, I think this card's fantastic. It's a gotcha, which I love. I love when your opponent sort of calculated the turnout and then you play a card and their calculations are gone and they've misplayed it and they've actually made a mistake. Um, if you haven't seen the card, you choose a fighter. Um, they make, uh, if uh, the chest fighter makes one move action um, or you remove a charge token and give it a move token. The key mm-hmm. thing there is the you remove a charge token, you give it a move token. So you charge, they think they're safe because you can't activate again. You play that just before you activate then you hit someone. What I think is particularly uh, strong about a card like this is that, it, like you said, it's got the gotcha moment. If somebody doesn't know that it's coming, uh, it can be a big surprise. But even once you know about this card, even once you are aware of it, then all of a sudden there's the next level where you're playing and all of a sudden any fighter that's charged, you can no longer disregard that fighter because you know that card may be in their hand. Uh, and so even if you don't have it in your hand or even in your deck, uh, which I, I think you should have it in your deck, whatever direction you're playing, um, the the other opponent is saying, well, like, oh, like any is charged. Uh, I normally would ignore him for the rest of the round, but he, he may all of a sudden pop this out and then take another attack or, or something like that. And uh, putting extra mental... Uh, taxing your uh, opponent's mental resources in that way is, is pretty uh, useful however you go. Yeah. Um, so more of the cards I'll go through. So Compelling Hunger is is a pretty simple one for the deck. It's uh, push and give a, give a hunger token. So, you know, mm-hmm. you want to get some bloodlust going. That's a card that gets you uh, essentially a sidestep and a hunger token. It's just a better sidestep for your yeah. faction. Um, it's occasionally even better than that if you have some cards that have uh, put hunger on the opponent. Uh, because if uh, if you do that, then it's also a distraction. So true. Uh, well, it's anyone who's got a hunger on it. So yep, uh, I've got delicious morsel as well. So um, heal one if they have a hunger token. You can heal two and remove two of the fighters' hunger token or one. So a way to inspire essentially. So you can heal two and remove uh, two hunger tokens or one if you only have one. Is how it works. Mm-hmm. It's pretty technical mm-hmm. in how that's worded. So that's just good early on, so you can get that inspired after round one. Um, I had Ferocious Lunge in there. That's my other one. Plus two move if you got more, um, one or more hunger tokens. So that's just mm. plus two move for this warband, more or less. Uh, hungry Advance, push and give him a hunger token. So that's another way to give a hunger token and get Bloodlust going. And then I had Irresistible Hunger and Inspired Attack. So yeah, just a lot of sort of movement, a lot of uh, hunger shenanigans. Basically, it's my power deck. Yeah, uh, we did a similar thing. We had a lot of movement. One specific movement, one that we, we picked up was uh, Outrun Death, uh, mostly because it is plus two moved. I don't think the downside of being a quarry is, is too extreme yet. Um, uh, although somebody playing Victimize will will punish you for it. But the advantage of that is because it lasts until the end. It's a persisting effect. So um, uh, plus two move persists until the end of the round. It actually uh, plays in nicely if you somehow get into a jam and that on the chase card, uh, you know, Aeneas is not bloodthirsted and somebody's lost hunger. In the very unlikely event that that is uh, not scorable in other ways, that that gives you one more out for scoring that one. Uh, because That's of clever, last, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Past that scoring. Uh, because we were building more control related, uh, energy drain uh, arrived. So uh, yep. giving somebody a move token on an objective can be very powerful. And then it, it splashes hunger uh, around too. So uh, you could, it's choose one fighter. It doesn't have to be an enemy fighter. It could be your own if you want to uh, kind of surge your hunger up faster. Uh, or like we said, uh, give a hunger token to the enemy fighters because that uh, that actually helps uh, Season of Famine because Season of Famine is uh, 
10 hunger on surviving fighters doesn't have to be friendly. Uh, and then also gives that compelling hunger, uh, more flexibility with how it's applied. Um, so that was pretty strong. They have an incredible spell, uh, dark glamor. Um, that's, a goes on a channel, choose one enemy fighter within three X's and give that fighter a move token. Um, if you're, if you're coupling it with the blood chalice, it's, it's extremely easy to cast. But even then I, I, that kind of lockdown effect in a controlled deck, uh, for, for a two thirds chance going off. I, I, uh, I think that just barely made the cut for us and, uh, haven't, haven't been too disappointed with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of the similar things. So speed, we had ferocious lunge tracking, uh, we had driven to hunt, uh, give a hunger to each friendly fighter within two of your leader or push one friendly fighter within two hexes of your leader up to one hex. Uh, the flexibility of, of, a kind of a limited sidestep or increasing hunger as needed. Um, and then irresistible hunger and dual wits to make sure you see them. And that kind of covers what we had included in ours. Um, what, uh, what were you looking at for upgrades here? And you, you were the more aggro of these. Um, so what's, what's the kind of goal yeah. of the upgrades and how did you go about that? Well, I think uh, two staples, I only have two restricted cards in this deck and that's, I, and I hate doing that because I feel like restricted cards are just better. Um, yeah. but I look through them and I'm like, none of these fit. I think we're at the point where the game where like, sometimes you get decks that are two or one, probably not zero. Uh, and that's okay. So my two restrictors are Strength of Terror. It's just plus one dice. It's a great card. In fact, although I say that, and then the new pack coming out, it's got like two of those cards in it now. <laughs> and then Trophy Belt, because all four of your fighters are a hunter. So mm. oh, it's just yeah. a quick, clean way to get some extra glory in there if you playing. Usually it's against sort of more passive warbands. You can use that more. But if you're playing against Grimwatch, they have a huge glory ceiling. Uh, it's good to get a few extra glory with kills, you know? kill someone mm -hmm. you get two glory and then primacies of a third so that, that helps you that much up um hunter talisman plus one dice and reroll on hunters everyone's a hunter so it's just a great card uh i've got great strength great fortitude they're pretty good scavenged armor because i'm playing aggro so i'm pushing forward um mm -hmm. being able to push forward get a wound and get a guard token sort of creates this beachhead where they can't really move past you without you getting a lot of assists and stuff sure um proud runner i like that card um because it just steals primacy on, on the last activation if you need it. Yeah. And also and you think yeah. uh, with this deck, uh, particularly starting on lower damage, uh, it can be tough to pick up primacy right away. Uh, so yeah. you, you could, you know, combination in for a kill with uh, two hits from two different fighters, proud runner off of the glory scored, and then unlock some of your uh, surge of aggression or, or, you know, the other aggro uh, primacy based uh, objectives that you have there exactly works with gather momentum as well if you don't have an uh, a bloodlusted ennius so first round maybe you get a glory from a surge then you pop that on him he can move five gets you gathered momentum it'll get you the primacy from proud runner like mm -hmm. it combos well with a lot of your surges uh and in some of your end phases but mostly the surges um so I, I like that card here um actually i like that card in general it just when you have ways of reliably denying primacy by taking it back it's a two glory swing if you think about it mm -hmm. and that's always good um i'll go on to the other uh, three more so vampiric might it's uh plus one damage if uh they're inspired and plus two damage on a crit if bloodthirsted i like it on the inspired the two damage on a crit just feels so it's a gamble uh but hey you know if you're losing maybe it works out for you sure with that one uh have you uh, is great strength in this deck elsewhere as well? Yeah, it is great strength. Okay, too. so it's just yeah. I like I like having the same card in multiple times. So when sure. you draw upgrades, you're going to get one of them. So it's just reliable. Um, I have vampiric speed uh, plus two move if they're bloodthirsted or inspired. So that's just sort of like in case maybe Aeneas dies and we need to make someone else get to six speed for cover ground. That's mm -hmm. a way to do that. And then uh, von Marisi armor uh, inspires someone and minus one damage. Uh, and then I think bloodthirsted it's uh, ignore one ignore one damage da yeah. damage one yeah which is good which, for uh, lethals and stuff yeah right exactly um, and I, I you you can see uh, a scenario where ping damage uh, kind of comes back uh, I think I can uh, think about, about a point in the game that you guys were playing or that uh, that uh, um, uh, where Kiva was playing and I, I think I remember thinking like oh if he'd put that on the other fighter I think he'd be a little a little better off uh, as he had somebody just there, there was a real big lethal problem in the middle of the game there and uh, so yeah oh, that, that's actually a, a spot where that card's pretty handy yeah um, 
Lethal placement's we, really hard in the game as well, so being able to bring that and then just like sort of, if you've made a mistake with lethal placement, you kind of can get away with it. Right, exactly. Um, we doing the uh, doing this sort of standoff control had some of the ways uh, so cryptic companions in there as a as for anyone who's uh, doing the standoff control to kind of get glory and force them to come to you. Uh, because we're going with hunger, uh, hungering harpoon gets in there. That's the uh, range three. One fury, two damage, but it, it kicks up to uh, an extra two dice if you have three or more hunger counters, which you're working on doing. And that's pretty nice if you're doing, you know, you, you've got those casters, uh, Gorath or uh, Duval, standing on objective to score one of those, and they can just kind of fling that harpoon around um, and uh, uh, get multiple hits there. Hmm. Uh, and then um, Barblade Net, although this could be the new extruded snare uh, that's coming from the... Um, you know what? You can take both. That's the thing. Yeah, why not both? That's one of our favorite ones. Um, and then some defensive ones, Substance Siphon and Hungry Armor uh, for extra. Those are a little bit of anti-synergy there since you can't re-roll the uh, Substance Siphon, but um, all right. Uh, deserve Confidence, Great Fortitude, more defense. Uh, bag of Tricks because if you are one shy of that hunger that you need, you can go digging for whatever gambit or upgrade will get you there. A uh, little controversial one for us was the Ravening Stone. Uh, couldn't decide. That's a, one of those medalists. Uh, it turns a fighter into a hunter, which isn't relevant here. Um, but uh, at the end of the uh, action phase, you can give a hunger counter to each fighter within two. So it's, a, it's another thing where right before you can uh, uh, kind of trigger, uh, trigger some of that. It has the... Uh, uh, ability to remove so uh, there's also the possibility here where you would include that if you're trying to be flexible with uh, um, bloodlusting and, and inspiring um, and then uh, great strength and uh, uh, that uh, I think rounds that I may have mentioned deserved confidence already but um, you didn't put great fortitude in yep yep it's in there great fortitude oh, it's in there? Uh, okay. yep, yep. sorry I must so. have missed that it's yeah, like you got all these uh, plus wound stuff and I'm like you didn't take the, the vanilla of all vanilla plus one wound nuts <laughs> Yeah, uh, and uh, so we, we kind of played it against each other a couple times. I uh, it's one of the only times I've beaten his uh, his uh, Star Blood Stalkers with was with this, which uh, was interesting because as much as we built it for control, I ended up having to go uh, aggro and kind of run after Skinks uh, to to try and collect them up. Um, but yeah, uh, you play differently against. That's the curious thing. I like your deck a lot, and it worked well against aggro because you got a lot of control in it. Mm-hmm. The curious part is has it go against like a grim watch where like you actually do have to go forward and your cards kind of aren't supporting that idea. Right. Exactly. Um, there is, uh, especially particularly in the, uh, the upgrades, I think our idea was that, uh, when you, when you head forward, uh, you, we have enough speed things in there, uh, to get yeah. into the enemy area. And then those decks often have uh, more vulnerable fighters where you can, sort of farm some glory and then you use your control elements to lock down the fighters. So you uh, try to keep the Duke from getting involved uh, and counter punching after you come in and, and kill his minions uh, until you're juiced up enough where you can go after the, the Duke himself. Um, that was, uh, it was very similar. I think uh, playing into the star blood, it was uh, go kill a bunch of skinks and use that uh, control element to make, keep clack from uh, doing very much. Uh, he was, he was, uh, locked down, uh, at least twice, um, with, uh, with some of these, uh, uh, spells and nets and that sort of thing to, uh, keep him out while you, you, uh, picked on the easier, easier prey. Yeah. Um, I like the Starblood Stalkers. I feel though that like they're very much built around Clackdrock and if you can control them, like I think your, your thing, your, um, deck does, uh, there's a bunch of skinks running around, you know, throwing spears. It's not that threatening, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so it's, it's not the be all end all, but we, we've got to try it in some different scenarios. Um, but, uh, again, um, uh, you know, we kind of have two different decks here and that I think that's a sign of a pretty fun war band that can be built in a number of different directions and they're fun to play against because like I said, when you're, when you roll up against them, uh, you don't know which way your opponent has built it. And so you're making some guesses because that deployment, the board setup, the objective placement, all that is very uh, critical to the, the end result of any game. Uh, and if you are playing against Grimwatch, you have a really good idea what they're doing against uh, against Crushes. You have a really good idea what they've got. I think um, Crimson Court, uh, to me, in the games I've played with and against, 
it's felt uh, more dread pageanty where you're like, I think I know what they're doing, but they may be more aggro than I expect, or they may be more uh, hold objective than I expect. So uh, yeah. I don't know what other styles you've seen out there um, in your in your observation or playing. I think there's there's I think you're right. There's there's obviously two main styles of the game. You've got control and the aggro style. The the other the idea you see in Underworlds is the hold objective, and I think it might be Kent, but I've seen a, a I'm not saying a hard hold objective. Um, uh, deck, but I've seen a vampire deck that's like hold. We call it hold two. It's your job is to sort of hold two objectives. You generally have quarry upgrades. You throw absolute stillness in there, and you're, you're looking to score back kind of glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also been pretty effective with them because you know you, you got to come forward for them unless you're playing a hard hold objective, in which case they've got to come to you. Mm-hmm. You got to come for them. And look at the base stats in their fighters. If you go too far forward, they're going to hit you back pretty hard. They've got good threat range. And mm-hmm. it's not, not a great time. So, yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, again, going back to the four fighters, four wounds, uh, there's no one you say like, this is the one I'm going to pick off to get the glory, the seed glory to get my snowball started. Uh, you know, if, uh, unlike someone like the dread pageant to bring that up, uh, up again, like with the right speed upgrade, you can get back there and kill Hadzu. Uh, and then, okay, I've got my one glory when now I can upgrade and then, yeah. stacks and stacks and stacks and these there's no easy way in here we, we call them the dangle bros and they're the people yeah. that they're, they're sitting there they're they're right for the picking you dangle yeah. them out there and hope that they extend forward and maybe you can turn that like lost primacy and glory into like a counter punch or something but yeah this warband has no <laughs> dangle bros um unlike yeah. you know like you said dread pageant have two i think they have yeah. two the spear one's pretty weak too um, she's, she's pretty weak you can accidentally throw away a lot of attacks on that uh two dice just guard, guard. Yeah. No, the, yeah that's that's you're right that's rough but you know you throw a, a moderately like two damage is is easy to do sure um but yeah a lot of warbands these days do have a lot of dangle bros this is not one of them uh this yeah. to me when you look at the stats of it reminds me a lot of the old magors from season one like you know yeah. four wounds on four fighters you know, they're faster they've yeah. got great damage better damage even and they're more flexible so like Magors is a good warband still. This is, in my opinion, better in almost every way. So you can't yep. go wrong with them. Uh, you know, and just by virtue of having uh, wizards in there, you you have access to uh, to gambits, to uh, upgrades, to uh, to uh, objectives that Magors just will never get to see because they they don't. So uh, every once in a while, some passive objectives come along, or some I, I shouldn't say passive. I mean objectives you can score with. Like I said, without rolling dice, um, they just have access to some of those that uh, Magors won't. So I, I see 100% where you're coming from there. Um, we talked about uh, quite a few. Were there any other cards that you thought were were uh, worth uh, touching on with this uh, Warband, uh, whether it was in your deck or, or something that you've seen? And it could be universal or, or faction. I think the, the interesting card for me is one in your deck, actually. It's the 10 Hunger Token Objective. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually really interesting because... Based on your local meta, that could be the dead easiest card to score in the world. <laughs> in our meta, half our players have vampires. So when you come to a Wednesday night, you're going to play, let's say, let's say four games of Underworlds. That's probably the average. Yeah. Two of those are going to be against vampire players. That's just a, that's free glory. They're going to have yeah. a couple left at the end of the game. It's 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 awesome. So that card there's, I think, really flexible based on the meta. You can just bring it in a deck without having many hunger cards. Yeah. The uh. It, there's so there's two of them in there there's the have everybody have hunger and there's have your own have hunger uh which the third i'm i'm always reminded of every time i have a third end phase in there of just how bad that can slow you down at times um but uh uh yeah that's there's a challenge there the uh the one i, I it's not in either of these uh decks that we were talking about but uh that i found uh i liked the design space that they did was this uh, bestial transformation where you uh, choose a fighter discard the fighters upgrades the fighters range one get cleave and snare and each enemy fighter is a quarry effect persists until after this fighter is given an upgrade or until that fighter is taken out of action uh not so much that it, this is a card that i think yeah definitely include this um although that can be some pretty powerful accuracy uh, you may have situations where quarry, especially with this deck uh, being all hunters, there can be some hunter versus quarry things that you um, you pick up. But I like the idea of uh, something that you kind of scupper your own upgrades uh, to to get. They they really kind of stretched with some of the ways they uh, were designing things here, which was uh, which was pretty. Yeah, fun. you say you say 
chuck your upgrades out. But like, if you don't have any upgrades, you know, it's just sure. it's just free stats. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, four um, fighters. You know, spread dudes. I know it's it's fun to stack them all on one dude and have a big giant Death Star of a dude. But you know, yeah. sometimes it's fun to spread the love too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. There was. Um... Hunger Siphon, I think, was uh, was one that came out. I uh, haven't played with yet. It's it's mad while it's coming. So when this fa- fighter is activated, pick one. Remove one hunger counter from each adjacent fighter and give an equal to this fighter or remove all this fighter's hunger counters and give an equal number of counters to one adjacent fighter. I That, that may be too tech-specific uh, to bring, but I, I remember seeing that and thinking like, oh, if you were, if you were a deck that really wanted to uh, bloodlust some and inspire others, uh, this would be a way where you could still build towards you don't lose any net hunger so i could i could pull all the basically you could do this to inspire one and bloodlust the other you know kind of at the same time um with that uh i don't know if it's worth the the speed downgrade you know that it's a slow card because it needs a glory to be put out um and it doesn't necessarily do anything on its own but if anyone was going to use it it'd be this deck and that that's uh i i think when i first saw this warband i was really enamored with the idea of, of um, being flexible with who was bloodlusted and who was inspired and found that to be much more difficult in practice. Um, and so I, I keep on looking at cards that would let that happen. Yeah. I suppose that's a good card. The one thing I will say, I don't think we've mentioned this so far is the inspire condition. And this is something that's caught some of our players out is at the end of the round. So like mm. if you remove the hunger tokens, you actually don't inspire until the end of the action phase. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, bloodlust is straight away. So that's a bit more powerful in that case, but yeah, uh, you got to wait for the Inspire, which makes it a little bit less powerful. So uh, you might be onto something with the Hunger deck. Maybe that's the way to go forward. Until we start seeing these these tournaments and players bring in some decks, seeing what performs, it's kind of hard to know if there's a right way or if it's just a personal preference thing. Yeah. Um, we had a couple more questions. Uh, there was uh, Warboss War Grim Daka from our Discord. Uh, wanted to know if you would recommend this Warband for somebody new to Underworlds. Uh, what would your take on that be? Hard no. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is way too much text on these cards. Um, I can tell you that experienced players uh, are struggling with some of these rules, and I don't think anyone in our group has remembered the the uh, spell reaction to taking someone out of action yet when you're inspired. Like, <laughs> There's so many things in here you need to learn, I would say no for a new player, unless they love the models, or like if that's their way into the game for them, they don't play otherwise, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. you're going to have to hold their hand a lot. I, I 100% agree with both that and the caveat you presented. I, I always, I would never say that a new player should never take a warband. If that is the warband that they love, you know, if they absolutely love Zinch, then sure, Eyes of the Nine. If they absolutely love vampires, then, you know, give them that pep talk. Hey, you're going to, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You know, even experienced players goof stuff up all, all the time. Um, I, I don't think we played a single clean game with the, the vampires, either Phil or I, um, you know, just, just not enough to get through all that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're dead on there. I will say um, if, if it's your friend joining the game, what you yeah. can do is bring a weak warband against him or build a weak deck. So that even though he's forgetting his rules, it's mm-hmm. still an interesting game. And as he starts mm-hmm. learning him and remembering him, he's, he will get his deck and his uh, warband will get stronger and you can start to increase the quality of your deck to match him. So you're still having great games. He's still having fun because it's close. Uh, if you bring more Gox, um, to his first game he's not going <laughs> to yeah. want to play again so you know help, help him want to play again that you know, that uh, that statement may be able to be taken out of context and applied to almost any situation uh if you if you bring morgox to any new player <laughs> uh, yeah that being yeah. said I'm, i've been bringing morgox to our weekly games uh, i think three weeks in a row now so i, I am that guy <laughs> but uh yeah yeah uh let's see one more uh we've kind of talked i think uh this is gavin whitehawk wants to know uh, is the crimson court better at control or aggro and i would say uh the, the jury is maybe a little bit out i think it is easier to build an aggro deck uh i think control has some potential particularly uh if some of this speed rotates out at some point uh, right I, now I'll, I'll say yeah sorry finish go, ahead. go ahead i was gonna say i think I actually think the controls a little better for tournaments. I think there's, mm. it's more reliable. I sure. don't think they have the right stats for hard aggro, but I think aggro is more fun. You, you get to choose who you inspire and bloodlust. You get to there's a lot of tricks and stuff you can play. So if you're going for for fun, I reckon aggro you might enjoy a bit more. But I think the control deck you spoke about, it's going to get you more wins. Sure. 
Yeah, I you you are right. I think reliability is the uh, name of the game if you are looking to get deep uh, into into a tournament. Uh, any tournament, you're going to need luck to to get there. You're just asking for you're you're relying on it a little bit less if you're going the reliability route. So. Uh, that wraps up our questions. Uh, do you have any other thoughts you want to throw out here about the warband? I think they're good. I think this warband taught me sort of one thing this season, and that's I think GW are starting to understand warband balance. I think every warband we've had so far this season have been on that similar tier. They're all very competitive with each other. None of them are super mm-hmm. weak or super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of that that makes me scared is that like the big scary ones are season three warbands right now morgok running around um yeah Rothorn and um you know some of those the, the banshees sure uh but i think gw with this have proven they kind of get balanced so i'm actually excited for the next three warbands coming out they should all be great and competitive so if you're excited for the models uh i would share with you that i have some faith that they'll be fun to play and competitive too i agree i think uh I, it sounds like you were talking about well, almost say external balance, like the warband against other warbands. I really like what they've done with sort of internal balance. Uh, and is the most notable for me with uh, dread pageant, Mayaris, uh, and these fellows, uh, where each fighter in the warband has a role, has a distinct thing. Like I, I often playing with sort of, uh, dismissed Velas, like, ah, you know, I don't have anything particularly useful to do with her and then uh, i was playing against somebody who bloodlusted her and got a huge scything attack off of her i was like oh man i totally forgot that was a thing uh you know so i i like that everybody's got here's here's the thing i need somebody to do uh and they they have a role uh, that that makes for a very fun warband to play repeatedly rather than have you know a bunch of folks all doing kind of the same thing yeah, I mean, if you lose your leader, who's, you know, he's probably the, the stat-wise pretty solid, you can just stack upgrades on any of the three and you will, you'll be okay. If you, in other warbands, if you lose, I'm trying to think of a, I mean, obviously Molog's a clear one, but sure. um, there's some other warbands like maybe Thorns of Briar Queen. If you lose Briar Queen, like, oh, you, you really lose a lot of your power and yeah. this warband doesn't have that problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, well... That kind of wraps up. Do you have any other thoughts you want to uh, hit before we uh, start to roll things together? Actually, I should uh, before I before I say that. Uh, would you would you be willing to uh, send me over your deck? We'll include these in the show notes. Yeah, I'll throw it there. People. people can have All a right, look. Um, so. I will. I will say I built this deck on launch. This is before the deck came out. Um, probably could use some tweaking as you play. It is not by any means something I take to a tournament, but it might give you some inspiration. Uh, yeah, I will say as somebody who is, uh, I do not consider myself a particularly talented deck builder. I really like to have something to start with, a starting point, and then tweak that. Uh, if you ask me to go from scratch, uh, although I enjoy the process, I will take a very, very long time. And then uh, all of a sudden realize I've been shuffling cards around for an hour. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> so, I'll tell you what, the websites make it so much easier to build these oh, things these days like, without them. Um, yeah. Can I do some plugs while I'm here? Please do. Yeah, I, I, I want to plug our channel, obviously. So if you haven't seen it, go to go to YouTube and, and go to Tabletop Sydney. And I'll also plug something. I haven't really announced this yet, but I'll announce it here because, you know, you've been such a kind kind host. Uh, we're, I'm actually building a board game that will be sort of showing off on the channel in, I would say, a few months' time. But um, keep an eye out for that. It's uh, something we'll be releasing probably via Kickstarter or something. And um, we'll play it on the channel and uh, maybe people interested in buying it. But yeah, that'll be yeah. down the track. We'll we'll keep our eyes open. I uh, uh I aside from the underworlds thing, I have a there's a group of uh, dads locally. We we kind of do uh, a game night. We actually have a, a game cabin every year. Uh, we bring more board games than we could possibly play over that long weekend uh, and play. So board uh, games are fun, and, yeah, especially yeah. for like like non like there's um, there's people that don't play Warhammer and that's fine, but yeah. a lot of those people just love a good board game. There's some great ones out there and I've got a huge yeah. collection. You probably, if you look in the background of our videos, you'll see a big wall of games up there. That's, um, I do. There's, there's lots more. Um, but yeah, we I, I just love all sorts of games, board game, video game, tabletop games. And, uh, that's, that's our passion and we want to keep sharing that with you guys. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to, uh, say thanks for, uh, hopping on. We, I know we, we pulled you kind of late at night. The, uh, I think we're, we figured out it was a 15 hour time difference and that makes it pretty <laughs> tricky to, to get one of these scheduled. Um, uh, but, uh, it was excellent to have you on. Um, if you, if something pops up down the line, if there's a, if there's a topic that you just really want to 
come chat with us about it, let us know because we'll, we'd, we'd love to have you again. Um, how, where could people get in touch with you besides uh, besides finding your channel online? Is there a place you prefer to chat? Um, if you want to co- get in contact with us, um, our email is tabletopsydney at gmail.com. So um, that's obviously in our about page as well. So if you if you have like um, questions or I don't know, we've had people that want to send us like beta models and stuff like, yeah, get in contact with us and we'll, we'll sort something out. Um, we haven't really got any discords or stuff set up yet, maybe in the future, but it's obviously we need to build a community first and we're getting there. So, yeah, uh, you, you're doing you're going like gangbusters for that. You're doing we're, great we're trying so. our best, you know, it, it's a lot yeah. of work, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, I one of the one of the silver linings of the pandemic is it seems to have uh, sparked a number of people to try some different things out with uh, new content ideas. And, you know, some some will persist and some won't. But it's been great to see other people uh, come out. And one of the one of the gems has been your guys channel. So thanks. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for doing it. So. I appreciate the kind of words and uh, that you obviously and, and everyone else in the community has been saying I feel very welcome coming from the video game space. Everyone is so negative all the time. It's, it's great <laughs> to have this very positive community. And it's it's amazing. And it fills us with joy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us at the show, we're at the usual spots at WTHcast on Twitter, what the hexcast at gmail.com and then uh, flying around our own discord and other ones. Um, you can find links to those in the show notes. Uh, we'll kind of skip some of the other stuff. I just, uh, we've always got a recommended listening for this one. It was, uh, if we were vampires, it's by Jason Isbell on the 400 unit from the Nashville sound. Uh, and for what the heck's I've been Davey and I'm Benji. Yeah, it's okay. If you end a podcast with an awkward moment, it's a good podcast. That's all I'll say.